How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Hey there, thanks for tuning in to episode three of Dissecting Disney Ditties. Just a content warning that whilst we like to keep things light and bright here, we do occasionally drop in a bad word or two. So if you're at home with the kidlets, you might want to wait and listen to this one later. Also, a small content warning that this particular episode will deal with the topic of animal abuse. So if that is a topic that you don't want to be tackling right now in your podcast, feel free to skip this episode and listen to one of our other ones. Thank you and enjoy. We'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet to record today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Ladies and gentlemen, the President will now be here to answer any questions. Uh, well, thank you all for coming. I, I do have time for a couple of questions. You, yeah, you there. Stackers from CNN. The people want to know, what is the best Disney song? That's all the time I have for today. Thank you very much. Mr. Mr. President, you, you, can't, you can't walk away from this. Mr. Mr. President. Do I start this show? Yeah, yeah. Have I always started always this show? <laughs> I don't even have the script open. <laughs> And welcome to Dissecting Disney Ditties with Stackers and Will. I'm Stackers. And I am Will. And on this show, we will be breaking down each animated classic. Fuck it. Can we start that again? (laughs) 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 Greetings and welcome to Dissecting Disney Ditties with Will and Fucking it, Stackers and Will. (laughs) Hello, hello, and welcome to Dissecting Disney Ditties with Stackers and Will. I'm Stackers. And I am Will. And on this show, we will be breaking each animated Disney classic down, song by song, in an attempt to answer the impossible question. What is the best Disney song? Song, song, song. I can't believe it. I just don't believe it. Uh, How you been, Stackers? (laughs) I'm tired. How are you? I'm also very tired. Uh, We are recording on a Monday evening this uh, this session. The evening after Eurovision. Oh, what a what a time! What a time to be alive! What right? a time! Uh, Europe, uh, UK, getting zero jury, zero oh, public I felt votes. So bad for them. I really did too. And what was worse is I couldn't even remember how their song went. No, I, it immediately left my mind. <laughs> um, and, but I know that it wasn't that bad. Like it genuinely surprised me that they got zero jury, zero public. And yet Germany got some points. Yeah, yeah. For their, like, <laughs> Which was also obvious really send up of Eurovision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh boy, what a time to be alive. Proud to be Maltese, I am. (laughs) Very proud. Um, How else have you been? What's been happening? Um, Not much. Living life. Mm -hmm. Hopefully life stays this way, given we just got the announcement of four new COVID cases today. Hooray! Touching wood. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, But no, I haven't seen any uh, interesting movies this week. mm -hmm. Only um, two renditions of Dumbo, which we will chat about shortly. How about you? Yeah, look, not much. We uh, obviously, we had a wedding on uh, Saturday. Um, Not you know, either of us, but someone we know. So congratulations. <laughs> yes, Will and I got married. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Aha, I tricked you all into listening to our podcast now. <laughs> um, no, so congratulations to Dan and Emily. Um, we love but, you guys. Um, that's all we're going to talk about, uh, you guys, for the rest of this uh, show run. So, yeah, enjoy yeah. your free shout out. <laughs> enjoy. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, all right, well, look, let's uh, let's uh, get to talking about Dumbo. Um, at least we'll talk about the 1941 one to begin with, I guess. All right. Um, so, Dumbo. <laughs> was released in 1941. We are one year after the release of Pinocchio. The music was by Frank Churchill. The lyrics were by Ned Washington. New team. 
For those of you who have never seen this movie before or don't remember it, uh, Dumbo is about a baby elephant who is delivered by a stork to his mother and she is in a circus. Because elephants are notoriously bitches, they all bully the baby hardcore. When baby Jumbo gets taken out into the public, they're all bullies as well and they start throwing crap at him. Mama Jumbo gets hella pissed and because she gets defensive, they lock her up. A well-dressed mouse named Timothy then befriends baby Jumbo, who has now accepted his unwanted nickname Dumbo, and gets him lit. They wake <laughs> up in a tree, meet some racist crows, Dumbo swallows a feather, and hey presto, he can fly. Yeah, uh, so that's Dumbo. Um, yeah, now you mentioned new team uh, for the music for this uh, movie. They have both worked on different projects in the past for Disney. So um, Frank Churchill wrote the music for um, uh, Snow White. And uh, Ned Washington wrote the lyrics for Pinocchio. And here they are at last. The Avengers forming of 1940s Disney movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this new team did manage to win best score, although the score was actually written by Churchill and Oliver Wallace, who went on to score a lot of the Disney movies after this. Right, okay. Um, but they won the Academy Award, which was pretty cool, which makes them number two because Pinocchio also won the Academy Award for best score. Um, they were nominated for best song as well with Baby Mine, but they did not win. Yeah, no, it's interesting that they won the, the Academy Award because I think the music for this is actually quite beautiful. Like a lot of the the melodies and stuff are quite nice. Mm. Um, you know, all the problems aside, it, it is quite quite a nice little score. Yeah. Um, so it's good to see that they got that um, they got that nomination and that recognition. Mm-hmm. Members of the cast that you may recognise include Cliff Edwards as Dandy Crow, uh, originally known as Jim Crow. He was the voice of Jiminy Cricket, though he sounds vastly different in this movie. Um, and then a person of note who comes up first in this movie uh, is Verna Felton. She's one of the – she's basically like the lady boss elephant, but she goes on to have an amazing career with um, with Disney and her name will come up so much as we do more of these podcasts. Um, so she'll become a bit of a household name by the time you're done listening to us. Songs of note include Baby Mine, Pink Elephants on Parade and When I See an Elephant Fly. Mm, yeah, awesome. It is utterly bizarre to me that the original character's name for this movie was Jim Crow. Yeah. Like those Jim Crow laws, obviously a big you know, dark point in American history. Um, yeah. Oh, that makes me feel gross. And yet to to kind of put it in a very like lighthearted situation. Like, you know, obviously as a as a child, I had no idea what that no, was. Yeah. To me, it was just a yeah. name and crow is our crow. Mm, um mm. and yeah, I don't understand. I haven't been able to find out like what the heck inspired that, who came up with that idea. Um, obviously now they've changed it. Cause I don't know, is he ever named in the movie? Uh, no, he is not named in the movie. So no. it's even like it's so unnecessary. He's now mm. named Dandy Crow, but yeah, it's a bit bit hard to swallow mm. that one. Yeah. Um, and that's only like the tip of the iceberg of problems with this movie. Yeah, and this movie really is quite problematic and it's the first one that we've encountered. Um, obviously, this is only the third movie we've covered, but it is the first one we've encountered that has that warning um, on Disney Plus at least at the very start of it that says this contains, you know, racial depictions which are not okay rather than hide them we've chosen to just acknowledge it yeah acknowledge it and educate but um, yeah yeah there's 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 a bit in here that is really really quite gross yeah riddled with problems um but before we go down that path because it's going to be a long long journey um once again i have emailed you the original story now this took a lot of digging because there's actually a great misconception on what this was based on. Okay. So if you do a basic Google, it's going to tell you it's based on um, the true story of an elephant named Jumbo, which I will explain, but it's actually not based on that. Right. It's based on a book, which I have emailed you the synopsis of. <laughs> okay. So Dumbo is based on a roller book. What's a roller book? Yeah, so I had to look this up as well. There's only like a couple of them that were ever made and apparently no known copy of Dumbo exists now in this form. Right. But think of like a cereal box and then there's a picture in the front and as you turn like a, a like a knob on the side, the picture oh, like scrolls up. Right, And yeah. then you scroll through. I feel like I've seen something like this when I was a kid. Yeah, that sounds really familiar. Yeah, so you just you turn this like dial on the side of the box. It's like two of them, I think, and then the, it sort of like just scrolls 
through. Yeah. Um, this was later, a few years later, re-released by Disney as an actual book, which again, right. there's only a few hundred copies okay, apparently yeah. floating around. But yeah, it was a roller book. Right. Okay. So yeah, based on a roller book called Dumbo the Flying Elephant by Helen Aberson and Harold Pearl. Who were originally husband and wife, but then they divorced and that's why she's Abelson. Oh, but the, good night. If you're going to divorce someone, um, uh, divorcing them over Dumbo is probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, the story told in the... In Dumbo is essentially another version of The Ugly Duckling and much simpler and cruder than the eventual film version. Dumbo is not a baby elephant, but rather a midget elephant whose ears were extra big and extra pink. Hey, (laughs) did they go on parade? (laughs) Um, On the circus train, his water pail has his name Jumbo painted on it, but the J crossed out and a D painted over it, making him Dumbo. He botches his one appearance in the big top when he falls off a box while trying to balance uh, a big rubber ball on his trunk, but there's no general catastrophe like we see in the movie. <laughs> um, he's then befriended by a robin named Red, the original story's equivalent of Timothy the Mouse. Uh, when Dumbo tells Red that he wishes he could fly away from the circus, the robin takes him to Wise One, an owl, to find out if that is even possible. The owl recognises Dumbo ears as a, as a potentially fine pair of wings, and under Wise One's tutelage, Dumbo soon learns to fly. He keeps his newly acquired skill a secret until the circus comes to Madison Square Garden in New York. And just after all the other elephants have entered the ring, he flies into the arena, triggering general astonishment, followed by universal acclaim. So super, super simple story. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Disney took that story and basically told it and swapped out the owl for racist crows. Yeah. <laughs> naturally yeah well, naturally because that was the problem with the story yeah you can imagine you know walt disney walking around the disney lot in 1940 going ah, i don't know about this wise one how about oh you know what's popular these days <laughs> racist quotes oh. <laughs> so um for those uh for those who aren't familiar with the crow thing so um Obviously, the the lead it's five crows. The lead crow is called Jim Crow. He is voiced by a white actor, as are all of the other crows. And so, yeah, it's a complete bastardization of African American culture, yeah. basically. Yeah, I look. I um, I've sort of made a bit of a habit as to not look too much up about the movies and about you know their their problems and stuff before coming into the podcast. I think that's the the dynamic that we've sort of fallen into is that you do the research and I just make jokes. <laughs> so <laughs> makes it easier for me. But um for this I I really wanted to try and understand it better and I just fell into this really deep hole about arguments back and forth as to whether this mm. is racist or whether it's not racist because it's caricature and whether caricature's okay and it's just it is the most distressing thing in 2021 to try and just get a straight answer as to whether something's problematic or not. Yeah. And I think that in 2021, when you're trying to do the right thing and you're trying to be a good person, the sheer amount of, of freedom there is to post things on the internet can make that really cloudy. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of what I fell into with this is there's just all this back and forth, all this back and forth. But I think at the end of the day, we have to acknowledge it's, it's problematic. Yeah. It's extremely problematic. And I, um, I mean, I'm I'm white, so <clears throat> this is just my white opinion, but I don't almost find it as racist as the earlier problematic characters being mm. the roustabouts. Um, yeah, yeah. They are, not only are the lyrics extremely racist, mm. but they are the only black characters in the whole movie. Yeah. And they don't even have faces. Yeah. Like they, they've yeah. been animated so basically and lazily, mm. so they become so insignificant. Um, and then the lyrics, I mean, uh, we'll probably play a little clip here. I just, I don't think we should, yeah, you know, like I think this sit is... here and recite them. You can just have a listen and cringe for yourself. But, yeah, um, yeah the, that to me is almost a bigger problem, mm. um, yeah, to be to be seeing about how happy you are to live that life. We work all day, we work all night, we never learn to read or write. We're happy-hearted, cast about. We don't know when to get our pay, and when we do, we throw our pay away. It's interesting because when I sort of came into the movie, I remember hearing, well, I mean, I remember hearing, there's been a lot of discussion about the, you know, the problematic 
portrayal of the crows and, and all of that sort of thing. But mm. I don't remember any mentioning about the roustabouts. And when we got to that sequence, I went, oh, my God. Yeah. What? It, whoa. And it's a long sequence. Yeah. 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 And it is. And it's all about how they're, they're not educated. They can't read or write. But they're but happy about it. They're happy being just these, like, general labourers. And, yeah, they are all the only, like, African-American portrayed human characters in the movie. In the it's, whole movie. You look at the, um, I mean, this whole movie is very basically animated, but you look at when, like, Dumbo performs at the circus, mm. the entire crowd is white. Like, yeah. they've made a real point of going, oh, people of colour mm. are slaves, just yeah. a reminder. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, again, and like, to think that, it was written by white a white lyricist mm, yeah. who went, oh yeah, this will be fine. Yeah, you know, and yeah. no one, no one said actually that's mm. probably not the way Disney wants to go. And Disney has now got incredible, incredible restrictions around what can and can't be done with their branding, and mm. that includes you know anything to do with um, violence, cigarettes, sex, um, and you know, how how they must look back at, like, you know, Pinocchio getting high, Dumbo getting drunk, the mm. way they treated any so any other race literally in their early movies. Mm. Oh, it's just something they can't, like, I appreciate that Disney is getting woke um, and trying to, trying to undo things, especially with their live actions. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know how much a just a note at the start of the film makes it okay. No, agreed, agreed. And I, I read an uh, interesting article. This is going back a couple of weeks now. It wasn't even related to this, but it was about that whole um, children struggling to understand the difference between what is historically, or you know, if you imagine I'm putting quotation marks mm. around it, what was okay in a historical context versus what's okay in a 2021 context. And that that um, that that message is important in in fighting that misunderstanding, but yeah. does it do enough? And and I I don't think it does. And, but, no. But what does? Like, yeah. And I I remember reading um a quote who said uh, that his issue was that ends up because Disney is so huge, it solidifies how people see his culture. Yeah. And um and I do think of like we haven't gotten to P Peter Pan yet, but. Yeah. To me, as a child, for a long time, I thought American Indians were exactly what was in that film. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. What, that's what they were. Yeah. And again, gross racial stereotype, but, you know, that's what they were because yeah. I saw that movie. That's the first time I saw them and that must be it. And I'm no, sure yeah. I'm sure I would have thought the same of Dumbo. I don't remember seeing Dumbo as a kid, but I would have. And I probably thought the same thing. Oh, okay, mm. I get it, you know. Yeah. People who are black as slaves. Yeah. You know, you just yeah. go, oh, okay. You know, like you yeah. don't have that understanding, that worldly understanding. And yeah. I don't think children are going to read that opening, um, that opening statement and understand that. I think it needs to be, there needs to be almost a thing that says, so parents, when you're watching this with your children, please explain that to them in the context. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. because it's about the conversation that happens rather than, oh, we put that waiver on it, so we're fine. Yeah, no, I agree. Because my five-year-old nephew who watches Peter Pan for the first time isn't going to turn around and go to me, so Uncle Will, now I understand the plight of the, <laughs> of the you know, um, the First Nations people of America because, uh, <laughs> I, I, yes, I see. They put that message there and now I understand it. Like, and now it, I understand it, no. like 40 minutes later when they come on screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, should, it should almost be an insert right before the scene as opposed to at the start of the film. Yeah. Please note the yeah. following scene creates racial stereotypes. This is a great chance for a, a conversation or a dialogue mm. to begin in your household. Because it, it would break that immersion as well. Because when you're watching a movie, you get into it. And mm. if you'd had that sort of jarring point where you're like, oh, okay. Maybe it does. It would sort of bring it to the forefront of your mind more, and it's so yeah. So we're in 1941. What's happening in 1941? Welcome Stackers? to World War II and the end of the Great Depression. It's fun <laughs> times in America. So Disney, at the start of this uh, process, is three million dollars in debt. Ooh. Between Pinocchio and this movie, we've had Fantasia as well. So Pinocchio was a huge financial flop. Fantasia was a massive flop as well. Really? Because they still couldn't crack into the European market. So the movies just weren't really going anywhere. Of course, yeah, okay. Um, so we're $3 million in debt. And with um, the end of the, with the Great Depression, out of that is the birthing of unionization. 
everywhere in America. And so you get the Screen Actors Guild, which comes up in 1933, and there was nothing that that protected actors but doesn't protect people in the animation industry, which is obviously booming yep. by this point. And so in 37, they um, they decide that they're going to start a screen screen cartoonist union and pretty much everyone signs on, the biggest names being like MGM Studios oh, yeah, signs yeah, up, okay. Warner Brothers signs on, and then a lot of sort of smaller studios sign on. And notably the only studio that doesn't sign on is Disney. And at the time, Disney boasts amazing working conditions, like the best working conditions, the best pay. The cartoonists used to get 20% of the profits of some of their smaller films if they were really successful. Like there was, it was good conditions. Mm. But this, uh, we get to 1941 and Disney moves into the Burbank Studios, which is where Disney, Walt Disney Studios still are today now, yeah. Burbank Studios. Yeah. And when they move into this new building, everything's shining. And with it, with it comes a pay structure hierarchy. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we've got lush offices, restaurants, spas, gyms, um, priority parking, and priority seating in the theaters that are reserved for the top animators. And the top animators are now earning about $200 to $300 a week. And the low tier, low, low, low tier animators are earning about 12 So there's a huge disparity wow. between yeah. the top and the bottom. And this is like the perfect brew for a union. Like- <laughs> 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 and, um, and so obviously um, the, the lower tier animators start getting really upset about this because it's just like, it's like a class yeah, system yeah, within yeah. their own offices. And Disney is kind of oblivious to this because he has always been about, we're a family here. Mm. I treat everyone with respect. You get what you earn here. Mm. Um, and this new building even came with sleeping quarters, which he saw as, it's so great. You don't even have to go home. You can sleep here. <laughs> Isn't that like uh, the epitome of capitalism? Yeah. Like, hey, live at your workplace. Keep earning me money. Yeah. <laughs> and so the um, the lower tier animators obviously joined the union, but one of the top animators, his name was Art Babbitt, mm-hmm. he joins the union. Now, he is one of the biggest animators in Disney he designed Geppetto in Pinocchio. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. he's a big deal. He also invented Goofy. Like, he's oh, okay. A yeah. Big so deal animator. And kind so, of a big deal around yeah, here. <laughs> he joins the union um, to support to support them, and Walt really isn't happy about it. And he pulls everyone together and basically says, you know, I really pride myself on the way that I've run this company. And um, for those of you who are wondering why certain people get better parking spots or better seating, you've got to basically sort out your own house in inverted commas. And if you're not happy, do something about it in inverted commas. And like the worst thing you can say to someone who's like unionizing is do something about it. Yeah, like- <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so Art Babbitt, is eventually promoted to being like a head union member. And at this point, Walt Disney fires him. And so the very next day, 2,000 workers go out on strike at the Disney lot. And that's about one third of the building. Right. Wow, and, even back in the 1940s, yeah, 2000 was a third. A third. Because they, Snow White was so successful. They're in this big shiny building. Jeez. They're still getting a lot of grants. Mm. Um, and despite the fact that they keep losing money, um, yeah, they're yeah. still looking very profitable from the sure, outside. Yeah, yeah. And so we've got 2,000 people striking outside. And now let's just put a bit of perspective in here. This is May 29. This is three months before Dumbo comes out. Oh, good God. Okay. So we are three months out from Dumbo. We've got 2,000 workers on strike and this lasts nine weeks. Oh. <laughs> so this is like, this becomes a bit of a circus. Other film studios are really on board with this. Warner Brothers sends a bunch of cars to form a motorcade for them every morning. Other studios are coming down to cook them breakfast and lunch. Um, so it becomes like a bit of a joke for Disney. Yeah. And at one point, Art Babbitt is on a megaphone. You can find footage of this. And he's like basically berating Disney as he comes into the lot. And Walt gets out of the car and tries to punch him. Um <laughs> So it's a full-on circus, ironic, given the movie they're working on. And so basically Walt gets shipped out to Latin America um, by the government because they're looking to do some sort of like 
peaceful he wants him to be like a peaceful ambassador and this is where like the three caballeros movie comes out and a few like okay, latin, yeah, 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 latin american yeah. disney movies come out so he leaves and this is where like roy disney becomes the hero so roy disney's walt's brother yeah and basically as soon as he leaves roy's like all right what do you want you want more pay you want better work all right great done <laughs> and it's over <laughs> so walt comes back to find that like everyone's back in the building what had happened though was it just completely destroyed the kind of working atmosphere in the building because the workers went back in some of them were very anti walt disney but yeah. basically walt was very anti them so he got a secretary to write down the names of every single person that striked and then he became one of the informers in the witch hunt for communist oh. supporters God. Yeah. So he he joins the Motion Picture Alliance for the Preservation of Ideals and he ends up becoming the vice president. And he was responsible for putting so many Hollywood names, including his own animators, on that blacklist and people went to jail and a lot of people lost their jobs oh. because he was naming them. He was a key informant. Walt, why? Yeah. And so... Oh. <laughs> Um, and so a lot of people have lost their jobs and you can see the fallout in this film in how basic the animation is yeah, when you compare yeah. it to Pinocchio because it is an absolute rush job. Mm. It's way shorter than Pinocchio as well. Yeah. Also, you can um, see, did you notice anything at the start that you always mentioned? Yeah, no voice actor credits. But there were credits. But there were credits, yes. Yeah, yes. so there was no voice actor credits, but every animator is credited yep. at the start of that yep. film, which was yep. part of the deal as well because mm. they were sort of going, you know, we're not treated equally because only your name's on the front of the film. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right. So they put all their names on the front of the film, but for some reason they didn't go, oh, we should put the actors in it too. So, you know, <laughs> one step forward. They're just actors, you know. So, yeah, that's kind of the shitstorm that this movie was surrounded in. It's It kind of like, unfortunately, completely, for me, completely ruined the film in terms of how much I praised the animation in Pinocchio. Yeah. And then you look at Dumbo and it's mm. so... So bad in places. Yeah, in places it certainly is. There is moments of real um, beauty, I think. But yeah, if like if this if this all fell apart three months before the movie was due, then that's why some of it looks really good and some of it looks absolutely terrible. Mm. Um, my God, how bizarre! Yeah, and that was one of the reasons that Roy wanted to settle it as well because he was like, "We have to get this movie made." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and there are. I, I did read somewhere that the clowns um, going on strike was meant to be representative of all the strikers outside, but there was an interview I watched with one of the actual animators who said, no, I was given the clown thing ages before the strikes even happened. So they yeah. were originally meant to be there. Whether or not then their shadows going on the march in the tent is <laughs> has been slightly swayed by yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Mm. Um, but, yeah, absolute disaster. Yeah, right. Um, now, you mentioned that this movie is quite a bit shorter than uh, the ones that came before it, and yeah. it, it is. It was an hour and four minutes by my count. Yes. Um, and Dumbo flies with three minutes and 50 seconds to go. Yeah. Mm. Unlike <laughs> the live action film uh. where Dumbo <laughs> flies and there is an hour and 37 minutes to go. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like... What else could possibly happen? He's already flying. Oh boy! That Tim is an entire moving of movie of padding. An yeah. entire movie. Please stop giving Tim Burton adaptations. Yeah, yeah. Please, Tim, if you're listening, <laughs> if you need help, blink twice. But <laughs> stop making adaptations. Go back to your original stuff. It's just crazy. I'm such a Burton fan. Yeah. But yeah. oh my god! Like, did we learn nothing from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Uh, Angie and I um, rewatched his entire filmography a couple of years ago. We just went through from start to finish. Yeah, and it hits a definite point. Like Planet of the Apes. Once, oh, yeah. once he makes that, pretty much everything is downhill. Sweeney Todd's not bad. Mm. Our Big Fish is not bad. Um, but everything else is just. Yeah, oh, man. Alice in Wonderland. I turned oh. that off halfway through. I was so bored. Yeah, Dumbo. I persevered purely because we were doing this, and yeah. I was like, at some point, something has to get better. But oh my god, that was just a turd of a movie. Yeah, <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Turd <laughs> of a movie. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Um. So yeah, look, some really beautiful sequences, coupled with some very strange and bland sequences in terms of animation. There was a really strange opening monologue. Did you hear the opening monologue? With the stork? Just before the storks. There's like the storm is happening and an opening narrator says the following. Through the snow and sleet and hail, through the blizzard, through the gale, through the wind and through the rain, over mountain, over plain, through the blinding lightning flash and the mighty thunder crash, ever faithful, ever true, nothing stops him, he'll get through. I'm like, oh, but yeah, but it's very like, um, ominous and yeah. deep and the way that he says it it's just it seems very strange to open it with that and then have um this this song about the stork bringing the babies to the animals it's just it's it's a very strangely put together movie and the, the, everything that you've said is i suppose made some of that make sense like the context of this strike and, and the war and everything that's sort of happening in terms of them losing money it, it makes sense but it it is a very strange movie still when you watch it all the way through yeah. I mean, I think what hits me, what hit me quite hard and okay, I'm about to go on a tangent, strap yourselves in. So when you look up what Dumbo is based on, a lot of, um, you know, Mamma Mia articles and any mm, like, mm. you know, clickbait kind of website will say it's based on the, the true story of Jumbo. And in actual fact, it is based on that book, but you can definitely see in other elements that have been pulled in. So Jumbo was an African elephant. In the uh, mid, this story goes over the mid to late 1800s. And basically, uh, Jumbo was a baby African elephant and his mother was shot and killed by poachers, as was and is unfortunately still kind of common practice, but was very much common practice back then. Yeah. Because we didn't have, you know, rangers running around poaching the poachers. Yeah. Um, And so Jumbo was taken to a zoo in Paris Mm -hmm. and wasn't there for long before he was sold to a zoo in London. And this was a huge deal because Europe had never seen an African elephant before. They'd seen Asian elephants, and Asian elephants are smaller than African elephants. Right, yeah. So when you think big African elephants, they're African elephants. Asian elephants are, are about a third the size. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so they've got this elephant, and it becomes the main attraction at the zoo and what they do with it is they um, allow people to pay to ride on the back of this elephant and queen victoria is a huge fan of it and all her children are always at the zoo riding on the back of the elephant and you can find um photos of this elephant with they're basically built like um a railing kind of seat on top of him and they would put like 10 12 kids on top of this elephant to just make it walk around And this became just such a huge attraction because this is also the dawn of the invention of photography. So this story can travel and so people are travelling to the London Zoo to travel on this elephant. Eventually this elephant uh, starts to become quite violent at night and they they can't work out why. Now, keep in mind this elephant is alone. There are no other elephants. And because we don't know at this point how to look after an elephant because they've never had really had one before they don't know what it really needs socially um mentally or just like food physically yeah um so they're feeding it sticky buns oh my god and sticky buns and hay and this elephant is thrashing around they built these wooden enclosures for it it would thrash around it would break the enclosures and they would have carpenters running in very frequently to rebuild the enclosure rebuild the enclosure but the elephant was calm during the day so at night, to calm down the elephant, they would give it whiskey to try and calm it down. Now, this got very, very tragic in that the elephant, the Jumbo, became so distressed at one point that he thrust his tusks through the enclosure and snapped them clean off. Oh. And yet they continued to parade this elephant around. And eventually it became apparent that we might have a problem because what if the elephant has a, a rage whilst there are kids on the back or, you know, there's people around. Yeah. So Q, probably one of the most grossly, rom- infuriatingly romanticised figures in history, P.T. Barnum. Oh, Jesus Christ. So he hears about the elephant and he wants to buy it. And so he comes over from America and basically says, what is 
the lowest price I can offer you to take this elephant. And the zoo is pretty keen to get rid of it because it might become a problem and they haven't said he's violent. So he gives them £2,000 for the elephant. And there are petitions. Queen Victoria is trying to stop it. They're trying to say the sale was illegal. But regardless, the elephant is thrown into a crate and travels for a few weeks across the sea to America. And Barnum is advertising now. He's got the biggest elephant on earth. And because Barnum is Barnum, he has no idea if that's true. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's not like he's been to Africa and gone and seen. Um, we'll rant about and, the greatest show yeah. one day. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so he brings this elephant in. People line the streets to see this elephant. And he puts it in the circus. And Barnum is very much responsible for what we think of as an old school circus. Yeah, the, the big top. Animals and, doing, yeah. yeah, the big top and the animals doing tricks and things. Yeah. Um, and so... He's got this elephant and the elephant actually won't go and he'll only go when the keeper goes with him. So the keeper was kind of the guy that like raised the elephant and learned to be with the elephant and turns out elephants can become quite attached to their keepers. Mm. And so the keeper goes over to America with him and the elephant, Jumbo, becomes quite unwell um, and he's losing weight and he just doesn't look good. He's still having rages, so they're feeding him more and more whiskey. They're getting this elephant continuously drunk. And then eventually um, Barnum is loading animals onto – there's a big junction in Canada, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's where, like, all the trains meet. It's quite famous. Um, And he's loading Jumbo into a train cart, and he's got a baby elephant as well by this stage. Now, according to the story – that Barnum produces, and we all know now he was just an incredible manipulator of the truth. Mm. He said that a train was coming and to protect his keeper and the baby elephant, Jumbo ran at the train and was killed in a head-on collision. And then the keeper was left to be with this elephant and he basically stayed with Jumbo for hours waiting for this elephant to just finally pass away. And at the same time, he is fighting off people who have seen the accident and want to come and basically hack the elephant apart for sport and to sell because this elephant is so famous. And so he's fighting them off. And because Barnum is Barnum, he decides to further exploit this elephant by having it taken to a taxidermist and stuffed and then charging people to see the dead elephant. So he's made money off it whilst it's alive and now he's going to make more money off it whilst it's, whilst it's dead. And uh, so people are paying to see it and then this museum or wherever it's kept eventually catches on fire and the elephant is basically destroyed except the bones and the bones were kept in a museum somewhere in America. And it wasn't until fairly recently that a team of researchers, including Sir David Attenborough... Oh, we stand. <laughs> Um, were granted access to the bones. And it's the first time I've really understood, and this may, me, may make me sound really stupid, but why um, museums preserve things like this. Um, mm. Because the woman said, you know, we we would have known back whenever we got these bones that we can't really get any information out of it, but technology will come when we can. Yeah, yeah. And this is why we have it. So they bring out the bones and they're basically able to reconstruct parts of the um, elephant. There's an amazing documentary on it that I can't remember the name of, but look up. Jumbo the elephant, David Attenborough, you'll find it. And um, and they found out quite a few things that were interesting about it. The first being the reason for the rages. Now, because they were feeding him sticky buns, he actually had incredible tooth decay oh. and infection, which means that, I mean, we know what it's like when we get a toothache and mm. it's just relentless, Yeah. but it is always worse at night when we don't have distraction. You'll sort of be like, oh, it's fine during the day and you, you just can't sleep. Yeah. So you can just imagine what it would have been like, this elephant surrounded by people all day and people are riding it, and then it's put into isolation and mm. it's not like it can put its own hand up to its cheek to give pressure. So that's why it's thrashing around because it's in so much pain. Oh. And so um, they found that. They also found um, in his stomach they ended up finding um, all of this, like, coins and junk 
and rubbish that the elephant had been eating, obviously like just picking things up and eating it. Yeah. So obviously it would have had a very, very upset internal system. Um, it had structural damage from all the weight of the people that were riding this elephant. So it was quite damaged structurally and it had incredible swelling around its hip bones. So it would have been really painful for this elephant to walk. Um, and then they, uh, what they wanted to do was find out how this elephant actually died because it had become apparent that Barnum was a phenomenal liar. So, of course, this has to be a lie to mm. be able to sell this heroic story of this elephant that he had treated so badly, um, you know, saving the life of its keeper. And when they, when they investigated the cranium, they found that there was no damage on the head of this elephant at all, which means it couldn't have had a head-on collision with the train that yeah, killed it. Yeah. So that doesn't make any sense. Um, but they couldn't find any uh, any damage in the bones. And then he found a man, David Attenborough found a man who had this photograph that he'd never seen before and it's of the dead elephant. But it's got this massive cut at the top of its hind and it becomes apparent that the elephant was hit from behind, meaning that Jumbo was trying to run away from the train, couldn't outrun it and was hit and killed. Uh, yeah. And Barnum managed to glorify and romanticize this story so much that the train still has a little like cut out metal elephant on the front of it to kind of like hero the train that like this is the train that killed Jumbo the elephant. It's so sick. Oh my God. There's a massive statue of the elephant at the site. Um, and it just, it, it enrages me because then you look at Dumbo there is no mention of a train in the original book. Mm. So the train, Casey Jr., becomes a huge part of the story and all that is is romanticising. Disney may not have, would not have known at the time that the elephant was mm. trying to escape. Yeah. But still, to be like, ha-ha, this is the train that killed the elephant regardless. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you know, you know kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it just makes me, it makes me so angry that then – we do know this information, yet yeah. we still made the live action movie yeah. to romanticize this story. We still have a musical called Barnum romanticizing the life of a man who exploited people and animals alike. Yeah. This is a man that bought uh, an elderly, blind African-American woman to try and pass her off as George Washington's slave um, yeah. and then charge people to watch a live autopsy of her being cut up. like. It yeah, was just yeah, yeah. he was he was a horrible man. And then on top of that, we have the greatest showman, mm. which is this beautiful, romanticized version of Barnum's story about how he was all about inclusion and giving people yeah, a chance yeah. to shine. Um, you know, and there is no way in Hades that mm. he would have had an African American trapeze artist yeah, who was yeah. featured because she was amazing at trapeze. You yeah. know, we know what he he treated those people like he had slaves. Yeah. Um, and it makes me so, so angry when people are either ignorant to the story and they can they can be forgiven that, for that. If they haven't been told, they haven't been told. But when people know and still are so supportive of that movie, mm. it just makes me so incredibly angry. Yeah. So this is, yeah, this is 100% not really based on a, on a happy story at all. And the people who wrote the book would have known that because the the elephant was called Jumbo. Yeah. Like you can't hide it. We go to the movie and the mother is called Jumbo. He's called Baby Jumbo. We get to the live action and it's not like we go, oh, actually maybe we should rejig this story mm. and make it about how bad it is to poach animals and like let's give a shock to the system. People come and see it expecting a, a happy family film and instead walk away with like a sobering reminder of how shit humans can be. Yeah. And instead they're like, no, nah, we'll just make it. Like there are moments where they sort of in the live action, the bad guy wants to kill the mother because Dumbo keeps wanting to go back to its mother. Um, and, you know, elephants are extremely social animals. That was the other really sad part of this story that when Jumbo was separated, he would have been so lonely because um, elephants are pack animals. They need to be with other elephants. Yeah. And that's why when you go to a zoo these days, if you see elephants, they, they're always with 
other elephants because they need to be social. Um, they also need a crap ton of space, which a lot of zoos just still don't understand what that actually looks like. Like we're talking like a rainforest where there's space, yeah, right. not just a large enclosure. Um, you need to go to like um, uh, Adelaide, not Adelaide Zoo. Adelaide Zoo is terrible. Um, the one that's in Adelaide though, that's an open range. Okay, yeah. That has the most incredible paddocks I've ever seen for um, animals where they can actually roam yeah. and they can go out of view from where mm. you're standing. Like they're so big. That's how you really should do it. Yeah. Not, oh, we need to get them close enough so people can see. Yeah, yeah. So we still haven't quite got it right. Um, but, yeah, I think it's important that people are aware of what the real backstory is of this film because when you watch it, my God, it's cute. Mm. It is so cute. And pushing the racial issues aside for a moment, it's just a really sweet movie. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know. It's it's so pro- it's problematic in in so many ways. And can we please stop romanticizing fucking Barnum? All right. Look. On that note, guys, we might take a quick break. Um, we will be back in just a moment. Hey guys, Will here from Stackers at Will fame. Um, just a quick message here to say, uh, look, we really appreciate uh, the support that our Patreons are showing us. Uh, we have a number of them now, so I won't read them all out, but um, you, you guys are seen and you're very much appreciated and we appreciate everything that you're doing for us. If you would like to join our Patreon and support us to keep making these podcasts and hopefully get to a point where we can quit our jobs and make them daily, um, then find us uh, on Patreon. Our link is on our Facebook page. It's on, uh, I believe it's on our Instagram. Um, yeah. Love your work, guys. Thank you very much. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Um, so I guess we'll start talking about the music now, Stackers. What do you reckon? Yeah, let's do it. I'm sorry to be a downer, guys. No, no, look, it, it, it's all really interesting. It's all, I mean, yeah, it's horrific, but it is interesting and it's important to understand contextually um, what sort of stories Disney was drawing from at the point in time. And, um, yeah, it's, it's all stuff that is important to know. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, look, I think I mentioned earlier although maybe I didn't, I actually think a lot of the melodies in this movie, I won't really call it a musical, in this movie are quite lovely. Mm. Um, it sounds very sort of barbershoppy almost yeah. and sort of um, like r- radio in the 40s. When you imagine radio in the 40s, I kind of imagine this is how it all sounds. Yeah, they used um, a barbershop quartet called The Sportsman. Oh, lovely. And they were quite big in a lot of movies, but that – that kind of vintage Hollywood barbershop sound. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time, it's them if you're hearing it in this era. Mm, yeah, cool, mm. cool. So, like the opening sequence, the the I don't think we're rating this one, but the no. the st- where the storks bring in the animals, uh, so the babies to the animals, and the the Casey Junior. I think it sounds lovely. Like it's it's Casey it's inter- interesting. Comes round the track. And just while we're on that sequence, um. I actually think that this sequence, the Casey Jr. sequence with the train and all that sort of stuff, is probably the most closest to Looney Tunes that Disney ever got. Hmm. Like the 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 way the train is animated seems very like yeah. akin with Looney Tunes as opposed to akin with what we know Disney to be. Yeah, which I think is really fascinating, especially when it it's doing all the I think I can stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, struggling. it's very because it's gimmicky. distorting itself. Like hmm. it's not acting like a train; it's acting like an anthropomorphic, like character so yeah i just found that really interesting yeah um but uh i guess the first song we'll actually talk about is baby mine So do you want to jump into your ratings for Baby Mine? Yes. So Baby Mine, this is probably one of the most beautiful and sad songs Disney has ever written. Mm. This scene is incredibly sad. However, I gave this for music and lyrics five and five. Then for animation, I gave it two Mm -hmm. because, and contribution to story, I gave it two because it is a song about a baby elephant who has been removed from its mother. Mm. 
although reverse, but same thing. Um, and it is crying and yeah. it is so heartbreaking. Yet you see that for about 10 seconds and then the rest of the fo- song is just other animals snuggling up to their mums. Yeah, so it's, it's a bit of a slap in the face, <laughs> yeah, really. I was like, I, I just want to sit here and cry. Stop showing me happy animals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did um, you give it? Look, I, I gave it uh, sort of similar. So the uh, music, I gave it a five. Uh, lyrics, I gave it a two. <gasps> really? Yeah, yeah, I just sort of, nothing really captivated me all that much. And I suppose when I thought it, sort of think about you know, lyrics, I think about either like really clever wording or really interesting uh, metaphor and things like that. And it, it was a beautiful song and it is a very sort of lullaby-like song, um, but there's just nothing in the lyrics that really captivated me specifically. So, really? Yeah. So I gave that a two. Um, I find yeah. the lyric, um, you know, never mind what they say, all those people who, who would scold you, what they'd give for the right to hold you. Mm. Oh. Yeah, okay. Look, what a lyric. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can you could sway me to to make it more, but yeah, just at the yeah. time I was like, mm. bit mad. I think the animation didn't help you. I Pro- think if, probably. Yeah, yeah. I think if yeah. we saw more of even if the mother you know, it's weird the mother isn't singing it, but even if we just saw that imagery mm. and you see it coming from the mother, yeah. even metaphorically, I think it would help with that lyric situation. Yeah, because I don't think the mother was actually singing it, was she? It was no, just it's, a... it's Betty Noyes, who, um, funnily enough, is the singing voice of Debbie Reynolds in Singing in the Rain. Oh, really? Yeah, so ah. in Singing in the Rain, it's ironic because Debbie Reynolds plays the voice of another actress, <laughs> and that's the whole yeah. deal, when in actual fact, she's also voiced by another it's actress. Singing in the Rain-ception. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's her. We always bring it back to Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so lyrics was two. Um, animation, I gave it a three. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. I think the animation did kind of distract me a lot because the, the things that I remember most about that is all the animals sort of snuggling Thank into the you. night. And the two hippos. Yeah, that was, that was what I actually made a note of that earlier when all the babies are arriving. My yeah. favourite was the hippo because it just sort of drops <laughs> into the water and starts sleeping straight away <laughs> next to the mum. So I did love that. Um, and the contribution to story, I gave a one. Mm. Um, because yeah, it, it, like you said, I think if the if the music had have come from the mother, it might have been more impactful. It might yeah. have felt more important to the story, but it was just sort of a lullaby that was being played while all this stuff happened. Yeah, um, I think so, yeah. out of context, when I just hear this song, mm. oh, it is like Brad the yeah. Tissues inducing. Yeah. But watching it with the animation, I was just like, mm, it's kind of happy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I saw your uh, – did I see in one of the stories that you posted when you were watching the live-action one, did they do a cover of this? Yeah. So there's this random chick in the circus yeah. who, I don't know, she's meant to be a mermaid or something. I don't get it. Uh. But she has like one line of dialogue near the start of the movie. Yeah. You don't see her again until all of a sudden she's at a campfire with a ukulele playing this song. Oh. For no reason. It's like, I don't understand. Did she write this song? Is she singing about, has she got a child? I don't know why. And then it sort of goes to, you see Dumbo and the mother. And to be fair, they spend more time on Dumbo and the mother than the animation. But it makes no sense that she's singing it. Baby mine, don't you cry. Baby mine, dry your eyes Rest your head close to my heart Never to part, baby of mine I think they were just trying. It's the only song they include. Yeah. You do get two seconds of um, Danny DeVito doing Casey Junior comes down the track. Uh, um, <laughs> Danny DeVito. But otherwise, everything else is cut except this song and i feel yeah. like they were just really trying to shoehorn it in somewhere i would mm. give this random chick a line and a ukulele yeah okay that's what disney seems to do a lot with the movies that they're um they're turning into live action that aren't being transformed into musicals as well they do seem to just have like one moment or one song that they're like we have to get this in otherwise yeah. people aren't gonna know that yeah. this is like <laughs> a remake because um, i think the jungle book does it where like baloo is just whistling Bear Necessities or oh, something? Oh, no, the Bear Necessities is awesome in the live action. Oh, is it? It's Is it Bill Murray that plays Baloo? Uh, he's it, oh, is it Bill Murray? 
You can look that up. I, I'm going to quickly look um, it up because I don't but want to be sing, wrong. Whoever it is, he's not a great singer, but he just sings it like as blue, and I think it's just beautiful. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and strife. I mean the bare necessities, old mother nature's recipe that brings the bare necessities. Don't get me started on Christopher Walken as... <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Bill Murray is Baloo. Yes, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, he's yeah, great. Yeah. He just kind of embraces, I'm not a singer, but I can be Baloo, so I'm going to sing it as Baloo. And it's beautiful. I don't know what, <laughs> what, ooby do. I yeah. want to be, it's like sort of spoken sung. You know, I want to be like you. Like you. <laughs> it's so weird. That's a weird movie. <laughs> all right. So, um, all right, let's move on to Pink, Pink Elephants on Parade. Look out, look out, Pink Elephants on Parade. Here they come, hippity-hoppity, they're here, and there are pink elephants everywhere. Look out, look out, they're walking around the bed, on the head, clippity-cloppity, parade, in brave Pink Elephants on Parade. What'll I do? What'll I do? What an unusual view. I, this song slaps. I kind of yeah. love this song. <laughs> so I remember ages ago, my partner, Tim, he loves Tame Impala. And yeah. he was talking about this great film clip. And there's a song they they recorded a while ago called Elephant. Yeah. And he's like, have you ever seen the film clip? And I was like, no. And he pressed play on YouTube and it was someone who had overlaid Tame Impala's Elephant with the animation from Pink Elephants on Parade. Right. And I can forgive him for thinking it's the film clip because it works perfectly. Yeah, like yeah. it's the kind of like we were high on acid and this is the film clip we came up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, look, as much as this song slaps, it is a bizarre thing to include <laughs> in this movie. It goes for so long. <laughs> like this movie goes for an hour and four minutes. This song goes for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wrote in my notes, um, Dumbo cries, is hugged by mother, and then two seconds later, Dumbo gets lit. Like, <laughs> it sort of goes bang, bang, bang at the end because we jump straight from, yeah. from this into When I See an Elephant Fly. Yeah, it just, yeah, it's yeah. just like, oh, we've got to wrap it up. Three songs done. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> when the edibles kick in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Look, I, I rated this song... Um, yeah, look, I, I'll just go into it. So I, I gave it a three for music because okay. I think it slaps, but I think it's mostly the animation. I love the animation <laughs> for it. Um, so I gave it three for music, a one for lyrics because um, it is largely uh, instrumental. Instrumental, yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of lyrics to it. Um, and then I gave it a four for animation because, mm. yeah, it's just so trippy and weird. Uh, contribution, I gave it a one. Yeah, I was similar. I gave it two for music, one for lyrics four for animation and zero for contribution to story. Right. Because I was like, yeah, okay. it doesn't actually need to be here. Like, <laughs> That's actually a really good thing. I don't think I've actually given zero to anything. I think I've just, I had just assumed that I wasn't going to, but I yeah. probably should change, yeah, I probably should change that to a zero because it doesn't contribute to the story yeah, at all. I, I feel like it's a great option, uh, you know, point for animation, but I feel like we could have cut it in half and just seen Timothy Mouse and Dumbo just yeah. having a, Good night. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like a montage of them like leaning on each yeah. other. <laughs> you know, trying getting to getting kicked out of a pub. You know, Timothy keeps trying to get him to do tricks. Someone seems yeah, to do it yeah. drunk, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, what a what a sequence. It it kind of is every bit as weird as you remember it being. Yeah. And yet still somehow even weirder than that. Yeah. It's um it's such a strange thing to include. It is so trippy and scary. Yeah. The yeah. elephants that have no eyes, the yeah. hollowed face, that's scary. Yeah. That's nightmare-inducing stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Pink elephants on parade. Yep. Oh, boy. Um, And lastly, that we're going to talk about. Very problematic when I see an elephant fly. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see an elephant fly? <laughs> well, I seen a horse fly. <laughs> I seen a dragon fly. <laughs> I seen a house fly. <laughs> Seen a needle that winked its eye. But I'd be done seeing about everything. Wow. 
when I see an elephant fly. What you say, boy? I said when I see an elephant fly. Do you want to go first in this one? <sighs> it's so hard because this scene yeah. is extremely problematic. Yeah. The song is a total banger. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And even though they sort of speak, sing it, Mm. Um, there is a, a musical review that, uh, myself and my best mate, Steven are a huge fan of called on the record. Disney's on the record. Yeah. And they do, uh, a proper, like an Andrew sisters version of this. My God, it's just so cool. I saw a peanut stand, heard a rubber band. I saw a needle that winked and I, but I think I will have seen everything when I see an elephant fly. And so I've rated this really highly, but this is where deductions are going to come in for me. Yeah, which we hadn't really talked about before, but yeah. um, one of our lovely listeners, James, messaged both of us and, and talked about this idea of deductions, which I think is really interesting. And I think it, it is something that we can, yeah, include. Mm. So go to town, Stackers. Tell us what you got. I gave it four for music, five for lyrics, because my God, it's clever. Yeah. It's so clever. The dragonfly, horsefly, housefly yeah. stuff is... <laughs> Yeah, it's very I fun. heard a diamond ring. Like, yeah. what? Who thought of that? <laughs> um, go Ned Washington. Uh, animation, I gave it three because the the crows are animated really cool. Like, yeah. they just move really well. And they each kind of have their own personality. Yeah. Um, I read it, somewhere that they're based on the five guys named Mo. I was literally about to say it reminds me of the five guys named Mo because one's got glasses. Yeah, yeah. 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 And one's, like, really big yeah. and one's, like, um, yeah, just, like, really cool. So, oh, my yeah. God, it's in my yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're all different colors. Like yeah, they're yeah. Little tops. Yeah. So yeah, it's still, so that vibe. It's, it's yeah, it's it's absolutely. Yeah, contribution to story. I gave one because again, it, you could take it out and it could still be the same scene. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, how did you get up there? You flew. Ha ha ha. How'd you do it? Oh, the feather and up he goes. Yeah. Um, but. You know, then the movie would be even short. <laughs> um, what do you do? Um. Okay. So. Music, I gave it a four. Lyrics, I gave it a three. Um, the animation, I gave it a two. And contribution, I gave it a two. Ooh, very different. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But total banger. Yeah. But then, because it's pretty racist. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, I don't know. Do we just deduct a hard five? Well, I think... Yeah. Of the total? Yeah. I think any sort of depiction of, of problematic nature. Yeah. Deductor five. Yep. All right. It doesn't take it, it doesn't go anywhere near to, you know, fixing the problems. No. But <laughs> but I just yeah. I think um it just it it that will easily rob it of being anywhere near the top. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Total banger, just so problematic. Ah, <sighs> maybe if they you know, it almost would have been, I don't know, I don't know, this is me going, oh, it's solve racism. Here we go. If in the live action, what if they did actually have African-American characters who were a valid piece of that plot? Yeah. And and they did have- Three-dimensional, well-rounded characters. Yeah, well-rounded characters, yeah, yeah, not yeah. just like plot- Stereotype, yeah. stereotype. Yeah. Caricature. Because they do yeah. have all kinds of ethnicities within their circus mm, in, the, mm. in the live action. But why- could they not have had four well-rounded African-American characters who mm. then quite legitimately can weave this song into the, sh into the show mm, Yeah, and re re like own it? Yeah. Like this is it. You saw how white guys would do that. This is how we're going to do it. I don't know. Is that me just like trying to yeah. solve racism like Hairspray? I don't know. It's tricky. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is. Yeah, it's tricky. I suppose that part of this whole thing is about us exploring Disney. Well, we are exploring Disney, and that mm. comes with the good and the bad. And and we we need to educate ourselves as well as um you know trying to provide entertaining listening for our listeners. So yep. by all means, help us out. Tell us what the answer is. Yeah. Is, there, is there an answer? Is it is it that easy? I don't know. <sighs> okay, so just before we get to the winner, and while you're calculating that, stackers, you know what it's time for? Angie's anecdotes. Nailed it. Um, so, look, Angie uh, really struggled with this movie. I think um, anything to do with uh, any sort of perceived animal cruelty, whether it's you know shown on screen or not, she really struggles with. So finding funny things about this movie was not so easy this time around. But uh, she did manage to come out with one perla. Um, and I'll try and capture exactly how she said it as well. So 
uh, as we've sort of already talked about, um, Dumbo goes off to hear the lullaby from his mum. They come back and and go on this wicked, uh, you know, trip sequence where uh, he drinks up all the wine and then it's just sort of like like distorts everything. And she says, <clears throat> and again, I'm going to try and ca- capture exactly how she said it. Yes, it's time for a trip scene. <laughs> and she's anecdotes. I'd also like to just point out, even though I know that we'll edit it down a bit because yeah. there was you know, a couple of moments where we were searching for things, we have currently recorded for longer than the movie. Amazing. Yeah, she struggled with this movie, though. Oh, my um, God. I think anyone will, anyone in the modern day will struggle with this movie. But you know what's a bigger struggle? The two-hour live-action version. Oh, boy. Uh, you know what? I'm not even going to try it. It is a crawl to the finish line. I, um, I finished watching this literally 15 minutes before we started recording, and the – you might the like recommended viewings after this was the live action one. Yeah. I've added it to the list. I don't think I'll ever watch it. Don't do yeah. yourself a favor and just don't. Not yeah. to mention the elephants are a little bit terrifying in it. So. Yeah, like very sort of very blue eyes. I noticed. I was looking at the picture like something's wrong here. It just yeah. Mm. Anyway, so the winning song for this episode, which I think a lot of people will be very ha- happy with, and this doesn't even include with the deduction was. Baby mine. Baby mine. From your head to your toes, baby mine. You're so sweet, goodness knows, baby mine. You may be ever so precious to me. Cute as can be, baby of mine. So there we go. Stop crying. And uh, (laughs) yeah, we will be hitting you in two weeks. We will be hitting you with a much more positive experience in the form of one of my favorite princess movies Cinderella. I think Cinderella from memory, uh, actually, no, it will be. I think it's the first Disney movie that they get like human characters looking a bit normal. Yeah. That, that aren't like overly characterized. Because there was a couple in this, but they were very characterized. Yeah. And they just haven't been able to get the Blue Fairy or Snow White right yet. Yeah, so. 10 years will do that to you. Yeah, well, yeah, this one came out in 1950. Uh-huh. So. Let's talk about that we'll in talk two about weeks. Why that is in two weeks. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next episode. Thanks, Bye. guys. Bye. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network, with gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.